Set your coordinates and lock in your location because it's time for the Sports Refuge Podcast. This is the meeting place to talk sports, pop culture, and everything in between. And now, here's your host, Earl Holland. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Sports Refuge Podcast. I'm Earl Holland, editor of the Sports Refuge Sports Blog. This is the show where I talk to guests about sports and recreational activities, pop culture, and everything in between. In this episode, I talk to a good friend and former co-worker, Vanessa Junkin. Vanessa is the Assistant Director of Marketing and Public Relations with Wicomico County Recreation, Parks, and Tourism in Salisbury, Maryland. Prior to moving into her position, Vanessa spent more than seven years in various journalistic capacities. Her roles included being a reporter and editor-in-chief of the Flyer Student Newspaper at Salisbury University. She was also an intern and correspondent with the Carroll County Times before becoming a freelancer, copy editor, and cops and course reporter with the Daily Times in Salisbury, Maryland. In addition to her career in journalism, Vanessa is an avid runner. She has participated in a number of races, not only in Maryland, Delaware, and Virginia, but places such as Vermont and Louisiana, which she's documented in her blog, She Runs by the Seashore. This interview, which was recorded earlier this year, will center on how Junkin got into running, her experiences as a journalist, and her most memorable sports moments. We now go into my interview with Vanessa Junkin. Here with me is a good friend of mine, Vanessa Junkin. She is a runner, and she works for the Wicomico County Department of Recreation and Parks. I can never get that right. So, Vanessa, how did you get involved in running? I got involved, basically, when I was going to go into high school. I wanted to try out for the soccer team, and you had to run a mile in under eight minutes. So I started out with one lap around the track, which is a quarter mile, and then worked my way up to running a mile, and I did run it in under eight minutes. I didn't make the team, but running did become a part of my life, and I ended up doing track for all four years. And then I also did cross-country when I was a senior, and then from there I moved on to other distances. What distances did you run in track? In track, I mostly did the 1600, which is pretty much a mile. And then in my senior year, I did the 3200, the longest distance you can do in track. What goes into running? I know there's a lot of different mechanics when it comes to getting a good stride and getting good movement. But what particularly are those mechanics that you have to remember and get down and sink? I don't really think about how I run that much. It can definitely help if you do. I recently got a watch through BibRave, and then my friend recently got me the Milestone Pod as a gift. So I've been looking at the stats on there, too, and it shows things like your cadence and your stride and things like that. But mostly when I go out and run, I don't really think about it that much. You definitely aren't supposed to go from running a mile to running a marathon, for example. You are supposed to work up to that and train for the distance that you're running. What were some of the growing pains, especially starting out running those 1,600 and 3,200 races? Yeah, well, I feel like there wasn't a huge adjustment just because that was like what I had run when I ran by myself, I guess, or my mom brought me to the track because I couldn't drive. But the coaches, they set up plans for you and like how much you're supposed to run. You all run as a group together and you do different speed workouts to get ready for that. So I feel like I was pretty well prepared. I wasn't the fastest runner on the team, but I think it went well. Were there ever any events that you wanted to try but never did? thought too much about doing those I think everyone tries them in gym or at some point because I remember trying hurdles and I think I could get over them but I'm sure I wouldn't have been the fastest person and I was never really that great at sprinting so I did try pole vault for a season I wasn't that great at it mostly just did it because one of my friends did but it's fun to try something different and now the blog she runs by the seashore how did that get started 
Well, I actually started that blog after I had a blog when I worked at the Daily Times. I had a blog on their site called The Road to a Marathon. And I kind of started that in preparation for my first marathon, which was in 2013. And then at some point I decided I wanted to have it on my own site. So I thought of names and that was the one that that I stuck with. And I started it in November 2014. So I've been blogging on there ever since. Now, with that blog, I know you keep track of your PRs, the races you've been in. How time-consuming is that? I think I do spend a lot of time on it. I do enjoy it, so that's important to me. As far as, like, tracking my races and stuff, that's not as difficult. Race results are pretty much online for every race you do, so it doesn't take a whole lot of time to compile that. But it does take a lot of time to kind of go in-depth about a race or to write the posts, because I I try to think about kind of all throughout the race and then write about that in my recap. Sometimes that actually takes a few hours because I'm a perfectionist. I know everything across the Chesapeake Bay Bridge, there's a higher elevation, a little more hillier. How does that compare to the eastern shore of Maryland where it's a bit flatter? Yeah, well, the eastern shore, at least in Salisbury, and I think pretty much the whole eastern shore is just super flat. So if you want to do hill training, you either have to find a hill and run up and down the same hill or use a treadmill. Back in Carroll County, there are definitely just hills that are just worked into your regular route. So when I college and things like that, I would run the, I feel like the longer I lived in Salisbury, I kind of, I feel like when you live in a hilly area, you kind of get used to running on those hills. But now living in a flat area, I definitely notice them a lot more. What are some more notable races that you've participated in? I've been part of all kinds of races. I've done seven marathons now. So that includes marathons in five different states. My first marathon was the Rehoboth Seashore Marathon, and I did that one twice. And then I also did Big Sur International Marathon, Louisiana Marathon, Shamrock, and Baltimore Marathon. I have enjoyed being part of local races as well. Like I always do the Tim Kenner River Run, which is a 10-miler and 5K. And then I also do different local 5Ks and I like to run in different areas. It's pretty fun. I know you mentioned the Bay Bridge. I have done the Bay Bridge run. They brought it back about four years ago. So I've done the new one for four years. And I had also done the race when I was a teenager, when it was organized by a different group. I also saw Vermont is uh, one of the races that you're planning to do. Yeah, I have the um, Vermont City Marathon coming up in May. So I'm excited about that for sure. What made you decide to do Vermont? Well, I really like Vermont. I've been there twice, and I think it's a fun place to visit and a really cool area. And I'm part of Bib Race, and I'm a Bib Race pro, and I was able to get free entry to the race, part of being a Bib Race pro. And there's a lot of races that we can try to get into. But I was really interested in the Vermont City Marathon, and it looks like it's going to be a great race. It's the 30th anniversary, and Neb Kofliski is going to be there. And he's a winner of the Boston Marathon, and olympic athlete and oh yeah didn't he win right after the bombing yeah he did he was the first american to win in a long time so that was pretty important as a as an american kind of showing that we can come back after after the bomb have you thought about running some of the more higher profile marathons such as new york city boston things like that boston you can also run for charity which is a huge commitment so i'm not sure if i'm ready to make that commitment yet for qualifying i'm pretty far off for now so i feel like i might be able to qualify when i'm like 60 or a lot older but new york i have thought about that i haven't signed up for it or anything but i do feel like that would be a cool experience i try to find some affordable lodging and things like that because i'm sure it's 
extra high around the marathon. I do think that'll be cool. And that's the same weekend as the Across the Bay 10K, which I've been doing. So next year or this year for the 10K Across the Bay is the fifth medal in like a medal puzzle. So after that, maybe that weekend will be a little more free. I like doing that race, but it is annoying when two races are on the same weekend if you just want to do them all. What's the most races you've done in a day? How many I've done in one day? I've only done one in a day, but I have done more than one in a weekend. For example, in September, I did the Mike Sterling 10K in Crisfield on the Saturday of Labor Day weekend. And then the next day, I did the Rock and Roll Virginia Beach half marathon. So I was pretty sore. I had also done a race the following Thursday and the following Saturday. So that was like four races in nine days. So that seemed like I was... When I did used to do track, you would normally do two or three events, I think. So I don't remember exactly, but maybe I would do the 800 and the 1600 or something like that. So I've done like smaller like track races in one day. But other than that, I haven't done any like 5K and 10K in one day. You talked about doing the four races in nine days. What is the recovery process like after a race? It's different, at least for me, depending on the distance. For a marathon, since that is just a huge undertaking on your feet and your whole body, I take a whole week off and just rest for a week after a marathon. But even for some of the shorter races, like I'm going faster for the shorter races so I can feel it in my legs. So I usually will plan around my races. So I had the 10K and then I had the half marathon. But I normally do try to give myself some rest days. I'm not really the best at stretching or doing anything like that, but I will give myself some rest days. For example, I just finished a run streak, which is not a race, but I was running a mile every day for, it turned out to be 44 days, a mile or more. And I felt like I was starting to get shin splints were just kind of like, I think they were done. So I decided to take a rest day yesterday and I might rest again today. You mentioned shin splints. How often do those occur and how do you try to prevent things like that? For me, they kind of seem to come on occasionally. But I did notice that I had them bad about a week ago. I really noticed it. And then a picture came up on Facebook memories and remembered having shin splints. And that was about exactly a year ago. So I don't know if they come on because of the cold weather or because one of my friends was like, well, did you do this streak last year? And I did. So I don't know if it's a streak or anything like that. But I have gone to a chiropractor and that has help with the shin splints. So I plan to, once the roads are clear, to try to set up an appointment there and, and do that. So hopefully that should help. I know there's other um, things you can do. Like one of the ones that I remembered was spelling the alphabet with your feet. It just kind of gets your feet moving. And if they do come on during a run, I found that pulling over to the side and rolling out my ankle sometimes has an effect. Hopefully one of those things will help. <laughs> They're just kind of hard to get rid of. Normally, what is the cause of shin splints? I don't know that much about it, but I do think you can get it by overtraining. If you run, if you step up your mileage too much. So I didn't do anything too crazy, but I did do two eight milers in a row on consecutive days. I don't think it would be an instance that would cause it, but I don't know. I'll have to figure that out so I can stop getting them occasionally. And I did switch my shoes too. What is the adjustment like preparing for maybe a 10K as opposed to a marathon? Pretty much for most races, I just kind of do what I want, which is kind of unlike what a lot of other runners do. If you really want to get a personal record or it probably helps to have a plan no matter what the distance is. I know Runner's World, they had 
an article about a runner who really trained to get under a 20 minute 5k, which I'm not anywhere near, but it was a very intense process. But for a marathon, I do write out a schedule of long runs to do and follow that just to make sure that I get that base in there. And I definitely run more when I'm training for a marathon. I think it's distance, but particularly a 10k or 5k or something like that, you definitely want to do some speed work. Really done that much of over the past year, so I'm hoping that I can improve that in 2018 and really, once there's not snow on the ground, focus on some speed work and really try to get back to some of my faster times. I know everyone tries to focus on the personal best, but is it ever about winning? One time, I was the overall winner at the 10K in Crisfield. That was back in 2013, I think. So that was pretty cool. I think my time for winning that race has passed as the winning time for women this year was about 12 minutes faster, which is a lot for a 10K. So I was just thankfully able to to win, I guess, while there were less competition. Not that my time wasn't good with my time, but it wasn't anywhere near this year's win. But I do like to go for prizes in my age group when I can, because usually I'm not really fast enough to win overall or to be one of the top three or anything like that. But it's fun to kind of go for your age group wins. And sometimes there are fun awards, different things that you can win, like a, a crab pot prize or one time I won a wooden buffalo. So there's all these kinds of win. And I really am kind of running out of time because the 20s are a better age group than 30s, 40s. I feel like there's more competition in those age groups. I think maybe it's not as many people in their 20s are out at the races or haven't gotten into running yet. How did you get involved with Bibrave? Well, I started out doing Bibrave's weekly Twitter chat, which is nights at 9 p.m. Eastern time. So there's a Twitter chat called Bib Chat, and it's a different sponsor each week and different questions relating to running and things like that. And you really build that community there. So I decided to apply to become a Bibrave pro, and I was accepted, and that was last February. So it's been almost a year that I've been a Bibrave pro, and get to be part of the awesome community as well as like I mentioned, the Vermont City Marathon. I'm going to run for free. And then in exchange, I, I promote the race and share pictures of my training and that we have a discount code, things like that. And then we also test different products and write about them on our blog. What's that process becoming a Bibray Pro like? There's an application that's on um, bibrave.com. So education and it was a year ago, so I don't remember exactly what's on it, but I think they ask about like your social channels and stuff like that. They probably check those out and see if you have like a good community there and it would be a good fit for the team. And then when you become a Bibrave Pro, you are we have this program Slack where we communicate in there and we can all help each other, provide advice. And um, I'm actually a team captain. So I just got that job in December, or it's not really a job, it's like a volunteer job, but so I'm going to be a team captain for the East region because there's people throughout the country and beyond. So basically, we just will help the other Bibrave pros kind of do well with their content and answer any questions they have and see how we can best help them out. Looking at your blog, you had some different goals for 2017. How did you try to get to them? For 2017, I really wasn't that successful. The running goals I set were I had a goal for a long time to run a 10K in under 50 minutes. So it's about an eight-minute pace. It might It's like slightly under that, I think. In 2014, I did two races where I got 50-20 and 50-15. 
And then since then, I've been a little bit higher than that. My fastest one in 2017, so I just did my recap. So I know all this off the top of my head. Um, my last one, or my fastest one in 2017 was 55, 55. So I have a little ways, so I'm going to have to cut about a minute off per mile, which is a ton. What are you thinking about a 10K? But either way, I think that I can get toward that if I really do my speed work and things like that. So that was one of my goals. I also wanted to PR the marathon, which I also did not do. But I set my marathon PR in 2013 of four hours, 17 minutes and 45 seconds. So I was able to get closer. In Richmond, I ran a 447. So I'm still about 30 minutes away from that PR. But it was my third fastest marathon and my fastest since 2014. So I'm kind of looking at moving in the right direction. I also wanted to drink more water, which I tracked, which shouldn't, it doesn't sound very hard, but I didn't make my goal as much as I probably should have. And one goal I had was running more miles than I did last year. So as I got closer to the end of the year, I realized that I likely wasn't going to make it unless I had just this like crazy month of running in December, like run before. So I didn't really think that would be worth it, especially with shin splints coming on. So I ended the year at about 1,123 miles. So it was a little bit less than last year when I ran about, I think it was 1,223. I'd be off, but it's pretty close. But I didn't quite make it. But this year I'm going to go for 2018 kilometers because I didn't want to do the miles because that would be adding almost 1,000 miles. So I'm don't really think that's a reasonable goal, but 2018K was about 1,250. So I think that's doable. So basically to keep track of your goal, to have that goal in mind and know what you need to do to get there and then really focus on that. I think I didn't focus on my goals as much as I could have, but I still had a good year. So I was happy with it. I know reading your blog, I'm, I noticed you started taking part in yoga as well. Have you noticed that effect or impact the, the way you've run and things like that? I haven't really noticed an impact on my running in general, but I have noticed improvement on my yoga. I've been doing it for about a year and I'm the most flexible person, especially with running. I know like some of like the hip openers and things like that are hard to do, but I have noticed improvement since I started. I can bend a little further or I'm a little more stable or things like that. So I think that anything like that is probably helpful for running just because it works on a different part of your body. And there is some yoga with like planks and the other exercises. So I'm sure that's helpful just to do something other than running. And I just enjoy it. So that's the main reason I go. It's probably good to stretch out and stuff like that. Now, how tall are you? I'm five feet. Do you feel that height helps with the base when it comes to running? I never really thought about that. I think you can go faster if you're taller, just because your stride would be different. I might take multiple steps for one step. Like I'm not using that as an excuse, but I don't know if it helps to be short. I don't think there's a lot of professional runners that are very short. I have been looking at that data. And for example, sometimes I'm running at 180 steps per minute at a crazy pace, like maybe a 9 or 9.30, but it's not really like a sprint. But I saw an article that said like elites are at like 180 or above. So they must be way above or I just must be really short. So <laughs> I don't know exactly. If there was an ideal height, what would it be for you? I really don't mind being short. I don't know if I would be 
I might be faster if I were taller, but I like my height, so I don't mind it. I know you definitely have a fondness for cookies, especially when we work together at the Daily Times. You were big on baking cookies and things like that. What's your favorite cookie? Well, I do really like the chocolate chip cookies. Those are kind of my go-to when I have to make something or when I'm invited to make something for like a little get-together or something like that. And then also around the holidays, I like making sugar cookies, like cutouts. I just use cookie dough for that. For the chocolate chip cookies, I make them from scratch. I enjoy that process, but then I also like making the shapes for the holidays. So, What's the most elaborate cookie you've ever made? Uh, with the Christmas cookies, my sister and I, we make all kinds of different shapes, like not just Christmas shapes. So I actually got these running cookie cutters last year, and the shapes are 26.2, which is a marathon, 13.1, which is a half marathon, and then a runner. I like to decorate them, things like that. But I don't know if I make anything too elaborate. Let's switch the subject just a little bit. Biggest sporting event you've ever attended? I did get to go a few years ago to the Orioles playoffs. So that was pretty cool. That was a few years ago. So that was fun. And I made a sign and everything. Like, I don't usually make signs, but, but that was fun and got on the Jumbotron. So that was pretty cool. So that's probably the biggest one I've been to. You are a bowler as well. You have a unique bowling style. How did you come up with that style? I do not know how I came up with it. Basically, for as long as I have been bowling, when I release the bowling ball, I have no idea where that came from, but it seems to help. I just kind of fall at the end and let the ball out and look at the arrows that are on the lane, and it just seems to work. I mean, I'm not that great, but I'm decent, so... I don't know where it came from, though. It looks like the level of effectiveness is a lot better than some of the other people I've seen bowl. In fact, it's better than mine. <laughs> yeah, it's so unique. You don't see anything like that, but it works so well. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, but I, I'm going to keep doing it. Prior to moving to Wicomico County Recreation and Parks, you were a cops and course reporter with the Daily Times. How did you get into that, and what was that like? I became a reporter thereafter. I've been interested in journalism. I basically got interested when I was part of the yearbook in high school. So I kind of got into it there. And then I majored in communications and journalism at Salisbury University. And I was the editor of the school paper, The Flyer, for two years. And then I interned at the Daily Times. And then I was first a copy editor, page designer. And then when a reporter spot opened up, I was able to move into that. And then I basically became the crime and courts reporter. And that's pretty much how I got there. That was cool. As a cops and courts reporter, I know there's a uniqueness to it. It's not their standard run-of-the-mill type thing because things can happen at any time. How do you sort of deal and prepare and adjust to that as it goes on in a day? Well, definitely something could happen at any moment. So I kind of, I checked on a lot of stuff at the court, saw what was going on. Sometimes I'd be covering a trial or something like that. Sometimes we would hear something on the scanner or see something on Facebook that we needed to check on. There's all kinds of ways that we could find out about stuff. And I feel like on the Eastern Shore, we had a lot of unique cases as well. So kind of, I guess, makes it more interesting to cover some of the unique cases. What would you say has been the most unique case that you've ever covered? And what would you say has been the most captivating case that you've covered as well? The most unique, I think, is the case of there was a person that was charged with going into a chicken house and killing thousands of chickens. And that story happened pretty early on in the time that I was a cops and courts reporter. And it appeared on the MSN homepage. Like my story was linked to this 
story. And I was like, wow, this is this is a crazy story. As far as the most captivating, there were all kinds of different stories. And Eagle Scout, person who seemed to have it all together, like a good student and all these kinds of things. And then he ended up being charged and pleading guilty in a, a criminal case. I think he ended up pleading guilty to an assault charge. So that was kind of interesting. The headline was double life. You mentioned headlines. A lot of people don't understand that we as reporters don't get to come up with our own headlines. How do you just explain that to someone that headlines, we can always think of something, always suggest something. That doesn't mean it's always going to be used. Yeah, I mean, sometimes you can suggest the headline and it will get used. But a lot of times it just kind of even relates to how much space is on the page or what will look good. So definitely sometimes people would complain about the headlines and not understand that the Reporters didn't write it, but you are all a team when you work at the newspaper. But sometimes it's something that people don't understand, I guess. There is always this common misconception that people ask me, oh, you guys get paid by the story? I always tell them if I did, I'd actually work a lot harder. What would you say is one of the biggest misconceptions people have about newspaper reporters? Sometimes it seems like people think that newspaper reporters are just like out to get people or we're trying to think of our community as just horrible and expose all these things. Really, we're just regular people that, you know, enjoy living in the community. And I know when I was a reporter, I would always strive to get both sides of the story, talk to the defendant if they would be willing to share anything for the story, talk to the defense attorney. So I feel like sometimes reporters get a bad rap for not really doing all the work or, you know, what they need to do. So I would try to get away from that, I guess. What would you say is the biggest sin a reporter can commit? I would say plagiarism is pretty bad. Something like that or deliberately misquoting somebody, like just like making up a quote or putting information in there that you know is not true. I always said, and I've covered court cases before, that court cases to me are like the equivalent of sports and press conferences. Everything's laid out there. There's nothing hidden from the eye. Everything that you see is what you get. Would you say that's true? Yeah, I think that's a good analogy there. Testifying in court, anything you say is public record. So as a reporter, you can decide if you think it would be unsafe to put something in there or you think you might put someone in danger. You can choose not to put that in there. But once it's out there, it's out there and they can't come to you and be like, well, I don't really want that in the story because they said it in a public arena. So I know that's hard for people to understand sometimes, but sometimes you need the full story and that involves the people that are testifying. Have you ever done jury duty? Funny that you may ask that because I actually have jury duty this month. I have not been called in yet. I have called a couple of times and they excused everyone until Monday. So I might have a different answer for you at the end of January as to whether I've actually been called in. But so far, I haven't been called in. See, I got dismissed pretty easily because I had heard of the story and that I have family working in law enforcement. You would think that would make me, I guess, more favorable for the prosecution, but it didn't. I got dismissed pretty easily. Yeah, I would be a little surprised if I actually made it onto a jury just because I know a lot of the attorneys and judges and I'm familiar with some of the cases, not as familiar as I was when I worked there, but we'll see, I guess. If you weren't a journalist, what would you have done? What career were you pursued? Well, now I work in marketing and PR, so probably something like that. Other jobs that I had considered when I was younger were I had thought about being a teacher or a children's librarian or something like that. I've always kind of been in the general field as far as I know. It wasn't like I wanted to be a doctor or an ancient journalism or I wanted to be like a police officer or a firefighter or something like that. Yeah, honestly, I never really thought about it myself, but I never really had a clue.
<laughs> yeah, I wanted to do radio well, or something. Well, I ended up where you did, so it seemed to work out. Oh, yeah, lucky. And that's funny. I also consider, as a copy editor now, I don't really see myself as a journalist anymore. It's, uh, I'm not really writing, aside from maybe headlines or things like that, I don't really see myself as a journalist. I don't see myself out there doing stuff reporting. I feel like there's a divide between while working at a newspaper, but actually being a journalist at a point. Yeah, it is different. When I was a copy editor, I've always been good at finding errors, and I've basically been doing that since I was like a young child. But I was missing not being write the stories and be out there reporting and doing interviews and things like that. So even though I was felt like I was good at my job, I was kind of like being there so close to being a reporter, but not was a little hard. Have you had those times where you see something that's so grammatically wrong, you want to say something, but you have to hold your tongue? There's been a lot of times like that, I think. Sometimes, depending on how well I know somebody, or if I feel like they would want to know, I'll try to think of a waiting. But sometimes I just leave it, I guess. So I can't always say something. I can't think of anything like right now as like where it would have been awkward to say something, but I'm sure that that has happened. Facebook has that all the time. I just want to say comma period, things like that. It's a habit that you want to try to avoid. That's probably an easy way to lose friends. Yeah. Yeah, I don't really correct people on Facebook. You ever have those times where you just sort of lose track of what you're going to say, and then eventually it sort of works its way back? Yeah. (laughs) Oh, yeah, now I remember. When you run, do you listen to music? What is your running routine like? Well, a lot of times I go without music. I never use music for a race. kind of got into that, and I probably will not use music for a race just because I am in that habit. Even when I did a 50K, which took me almost eight hours, I did not listen to music. I did get in with a group at the end, so that was helpful. So I did just test an app for Bibrave. It's actually free, and it's called Weave, W-E-A-V. So they mix songs so that if you're running at 180 steps, per minute beats per minute so you can either have it match your steps or you can pick the beats per minute that you want to be at which I thought was especially helpful it kept me super consistent when I used it when I did it at 180 per minute and I tried to run fast for what I've been doing now and I was able to do two miles in about 18 minutes which was like pretty good for me for where I am now So that's helpful. And then sometimes I'll listen to Spotify as well or listen to podcasts. What songs were coming up when you were running at that pace? Well, actually, it puts the songs that are in the app, they change pace or they change tempo depending on how fast you're going. So it is the same songs. They just mix them to make them sound differently. And they sound good. Like that's we've got to talk to the people on a call. Basically, the challenge for them is making the songs sound good because you don't want to just speed up a song and make it sound like chipmunks or something. So they take the different parts of the song and like make the beats match your steps. What kind of music do you listen to? I kind of listen to, I wouldn't say anything is off the table. Like I listen to probably a lot of like alternative type music kind of like off the beaten path, I guess, type of things. But kind of a wide variety. I mean, sometimes I'll hear a song on the radio and put that on there. Just kind of songs that I like. I'll just kind of add to the the list. What's the weirdest song that you have maybe in your playlist? The one you'd least expect? Yeah, the weirdest one. Um, Trying to think, because I don't always use the exact same playlist, but 
Sometimes I just like find songs from like when I was younger and I'll just like put those on there. So that's kind of fun to have like some old stuff on there. This one song that I liked that they played at Zumba and I just like running to it is Va Va Voom by Nicki Minaj. So I have a variety of songs on here. I have a lot of like old 97s and Pavement and Built to Spill and some of the chain smokers. So kind of a little bit of everything. For some reason, I feel like for a runner, someone has to have cakes going the distance. Maybe I would have to listen to that and add it. I'll have to do that because I have Spotify, so I'll check it out. It's kind of fun to have songs that have something relating to running in the title, which I haven't really made a playlist of that, but it's kind of fun when those come up. Now in your role at Wicomico Wreck and Parks, how has that transition been going from being a reporter into working public relations? I think it's been a good transition. I enjoy the work that I'm doing and I feel like it's important. I know that when I wanted to go into PR, I wanted to go into a field that I felt like I could strongly represent and feel good about. So at Rec Parks, Tourism and Civic Center. So we have a lot of departments within our division that we are promoting and getting the word out about. So our mission is basically the quality of life for Wicomico County residents. So I felt like I could strongly stand behind that and promote that to people and feel good about doing so. And I'm glad that, that I am, I get to use a lot of the same skills. Like I do a lot of the social media, which I didn't do too much of the social media for daily times page, but I did a lot of my own on my own page, like sharing stories and things like that and updating the website, which I did at the daily times and, writing. I write a lot of press releases and wrote some features for the visitor's guide, for example, taking pictures and design. Since I used to design the newspaper pages, I get to do that at my job. You guys took part in the governor's challenge. What was being a part of an event like that coordination? What was that like? It's definitely a great event. It's the largest holiday basketball tournament in the country now, which is pretty cool that we have that in Wicomico County. So being in the marketing department, my main job was to work with the director of marketing and PR. I'm the assistant director, so to work with her on creating the program. So she did design, and then I put the rosters into the right format. And then she also did different posters and things like that. But my main duty was just getting the rosters into the right format for the program. Really, I'm not part of planning the tournament or anything like that, but I do work at the Civic Center, so it was going on while I was at work. Did you get a chance to take in any of the games? I'm not sure how big of a basketball fan you are. I got some pictures and checked it out. And then we had a reception on Friday where I could see a little bit of the games going on. And I did stay for the three-point skills challenge and the slam dunk contest because that's just fun to see. It's hard to believe that they're in high school because they're definitely very talented. For your blog, you've seen an increase in followers on Facebook. How have you tried to build up your audience? Well, I did set some blog goals this year and I did meet all the blog goals. So that was cool. Each year I want to have more likes than I did the year before, which I did this year. And then I wanted to get to 600 Facebook likes, which I did. And then I wanted to get to 160 followers through email or WordPress. So I do a lot with social media. I'm active with Bibrave. We have the Twitter chat. So I'll I've met a lot of people on Twitter through there and have a decent amount of Twitter followers. So I'll share the articles there. I've invited a lot of my own friends to like the Facebook page. I've shared things on different groups. I'm also part of this group, Sweat Pink, and you can share your links. 
with other people. All the bloggers will share their links and then you can go comment on other people's and they might comment on yours. And I did some giveaways on my blog this year, which was another one of my goals. So sometimes that helps bring in new followers, I think, because people will be there for the giveaway, but then maybe they'll stay and check out some of the other posts as well or become a regular. Some of my posts to the different running groups that I'm in, I'm the secretary of the Eastern Shore Running Club, so I don't abuse the group, but sometimes I'll share something in the group page or with some of the other groups. Going back to running, do you try to run emotion-free during a race or even during the practice run? I feel like it's kind of hard to take out your emotions when you're running. Certain things will remind you of something. It's kind of hard to just clear your mind completely. But I try to focus on if I'm in a race, the goal, or if I'm running a longer race, like a marathon or half marathon, a lot of times there's people with cool signs or things to read. Reading the signs makes it more entertaining. Sometimes there's like a candy stop or I don't know. It helps to have things along the way that will make it more interesting or just looking at the scenery. But I don't know if I can really like take out all emotions. What's the funniest sign you've seen during a race? When I ran the Rock and Roll DC half marathon, there were all kinds of like political signs. And then one of the ones I remember from Richmond was it was run like someone called you a jogger, which I thought was pretty funny. And that is one thing about journalism. Like they always refer to runners as joggers, when really I think most runners refer to themselves as runners. So that one was funny. It's hard to remember exactly what they all say. Not really a funny one, but I like there's often here for power sign which is kind of fun. And like a lot of times kids will like have their hands out for like high fives, things like that. Well, Vanessa, I do appreciate you taking part in this. What's the best way people can follow you on social and read more about your running? She runs by the seashore on Facebook. And then on Twitter and Instagram, I'm just at my name, Vanessa Junkin, which is V-A-N-E-S-S-A-J-U-N-K-I-N, all one word for those platforms. And then my blog can be found at sherunsbytheseashore.com. All right. Thank you so much, Vanessa. I really appreciate it. Okay. Yeah. Thanks for having me. And that was my interview with Vanessa Junkin of the Wicomico County Department of Recreation, Parks, and Tourism. Tune in next time as my guest will be Dante Finney, whose passion for fitness and martial arts has helped form mixed martial fitness and his painting of the park sessions that have turned around the lives of many people through weight loss and exercise. Until next time, this is Earl Holland saying thanks for listening to the Sports Refuge Podcast and have a good one. You've been listening to the Sports Refuge Podcast. Tune in next time for more interviews on sports, pop culture, and everything in between. For more information on the show, go to the Sports Refuge website at www.thesportsrefuge.com. Follow us on Twitter at The Sports Refuge, on Instagram at Sports Refuge Sports Blog, and on Facebook at The Sports Refuge Sports Blog.